Welcome to Sons of a Gun, a podcast about the DC Universe. I'm Alex Gunn. I'm Justin Gunn. Very fun. <laughs> Very fun. Sons of a Gun. Here we go. Go watch The Nun now in theaters. If you've got <laughs> tips or stories you want us to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. But we got a, a bunch of quick hit news stories this week. Nothing huge in the world of DC. A lot of businessy things. But let's kick it off with this one. Blue Beetle. Slow start, but as of this point, as of this taping, it has hit over $100 million globally at the box office. And it actually, not to use too many industry tours, but had a pretty good hold this past weekend. Yeah. Didn't drop as hard as a bunch of other DC movies. Still not killing it. Still probably not going to make $100 million domestically. But how do you feel about this? I think this is pretty good news, honestly. I think it's good because you're talking about hold because movies used to like, you know, open and then you get like a month out of a movie in the theater to say now it's truly just down to one weekend for almost all movies. The Flash, for instance, had one of the nastiest drop offs mm-hmm. in uh, all of movies for the last decade or whatever. So it is really nice. And that's encouraging. That's like only a couple movies are doing that. Elemental also had a really bad opening to continue to be super businessy and that's held really strong and blue beetle the fact that it's able to tap into that makes me think like it's a it's a because we liked it it's a good movie mm-hmm. and it's uh and able to bring in and hold like maybe a younger audience which is definitely what they're after well i think what that usually indicates is good word of mouth is what the movie has yeah. i think people not to be too rude about this, but I think people are feeling the stink coming off of DC, you know, just in terms of the movies, in terms of they've had so many bobs in a row. So they see another DC movie come up, another DC logo, and they're like, eh, no, I'm not going to go to that. Or it yeah. might be general superhero malaise, which is something we've talked about a lot as well, whether that's real or not. But here, I think the people that are seeing it are telling their friends and their family, and they're like, no, wait, this this was actually fun. Go see this in the theaters. This is enjoyable. So again, you're not going to see it killing it, but I do think that bodes well for the extended life of the movie, particularly when it hits VOD, particularly when it hits Max yeah. eventually. Um, something we'll talk about in a little bit. And hey, Max. yeah, Max. And yeah, it also bodes well potentially for Jaime Reyes' future in the DCU. If this continues to truck along nicely, I think that gives them a little more ammunition, maybe not for a sequel. But like we talked about on the Blue Beetle movie podcast, working him into James Gunn's DCU in some way. Yeah. You know, we talked about how it feels like it is going to be a pretty hard stop and then a relaunch and what characters will come through. But they do need some characters to show up and be like, hey, we could be on a team, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got Batman, maybe. They definitely got Superman. There you go. Blue Beetle could show up. And uh, Zachary Levi will just be there on set, probably, in costume. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's doing some um, sound operator work. <laughs> uh, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Zachary Levi, Zachary Levi being like, I bring the boom, Mike. <laughs> well, let's move on to something else. This was one that got written up a bunch. David Ayer is still talking Suicide Squad. He went on John Bernthal's podcast and talked a bunch about... Bernie. Uh, Suicide Squad broke him. Uh, The thing that I thought was most interesting about it, which I think we kind of knew anyway, but he was saying that coming off of, I'm forgetting the name of his tank movie, I think it was Fury. Like the way Mm -hmm. that he pitched Suicide Squad was the same sort of thing, like really digging into the characters and gritty and earnest and serious and deep. And then uh, Batman v Superman came out and people hated the tone of that. 
they hated probably a lot of things about that, but in particular, like, why is this so dark and serious? I don't like this at all. Uh, So that really affected Warner Brothers. And then the even bigger thing was Deadpool came out and was a huge hit. And so Warner Brothers, according to David Ayer, was like, no, no, we can't do grim and gritty like Batman v Superman. People don't like that. They love comedies like Deadpool, turn it into a comedy. And that's why David Ayer says it broke him. Uh, I mean, I I get that if you're like, I did this one thing. I took this sort of Suicide Squad, a comedy comic book for the most part, right? I took this comedy comic book, made it into a very gritty thing. What an accomplishment. Oh, you want jokes now? You want me to throw some jokes in here? And it's that would that, that that's very, very frustrating because the idea that we ever are taking these superhero properties so seriously, so self-serious, so grit and grit and uh, gritty, like not what we want. I remember very distinctly in the opposite direction. And I, you know, like you're saying, I have sympathy for him. That's a really tough situation to be in. But I distinctly remember hearing about Suicide Squad and hearing about them reshoot to Portmore Huber in it. I was like, thank God, please do that. This should be funny and fun yeah. and over the top. You've got Will Smith in there. You've got Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I don't want to watch a deathly serious Suicide Squad movie with that cast. No, thank you. I don't want to watch a deathly serious any of these movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, definitely not one that is sort of like about being a, a like messed up and messing up and somehow mm-hmm. finding a way. We need some comedy in there. Yeah, my biggest question about this though is John Bernthal's podcast. Yeah, what's he talking about on? <laughs> is that his Punisher War Journal? Oh, man, I would love For that actors. if every actors. night before he goes to sleep, he just records John Bernthal's war journal. I'd listen to that. It was Bernthal's just very surprising journal. to me. Like, that was my big revelation was like, what is John Bernthal doing hosting a podcast? I don't understand, but good for him. I have David Ayers here with me. I just came from the set of Bear Season 2. The number of forks I had to throw. How horrible hell. Forks remind me of picnics, which reminds me of how my family died. Anyway, moving on to another thing that was deathly serious and won't be any longer. Joker Falia Du, composer Hilder Guadadotter. Guadadotter? Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Uh, teased, and this is huge. I hope you're ready for this. There's going to be a lot of music in the sequel. The quote was, all I can say is there's going to be a lot of music. That's all I can give away. It's pretty huge. This changes everything we knew about this musical movie that we already knew was a musical. Well, I mean, the, the I will say what this does is be like, hey, this is serious. Like we we're just talking about, <laughs> like before, is like, oh, don't take this stuff seriously. It's like, no, no, this is serious. There's going to be a lot of music, and I don't I mean I don't want to be dubious of it because I was just I'm always saying like take bigger swings, Hollywood, and this feels like a swing. Mm -hmm. I agree. I really did not like Joker at all, but this feels like the Gremlins 2 to Joker's Gremlins, potentially, where you take something that a bunch of dude bros took very seriously for their edgelord fantasies and then turning it into a musical with Lady Gaga. Great. I'm into that. Um, Speaking of it, like just taking things very seriously, I want to we were just talking about Bernthal's podcast. I looked it up. And that you owe it to yourself to check out the picture that he has as his um, <laughs> as his podcast header. Go check it out. It's called Real Ones. And it is a serious podcast. He interviews people who are like are and gets very real with them about different things. 
but his picture is simultaneously very serious and very goofy. It's also very funny that it seems like a riff on Hot Ones, maybe. Like, I don't know if it's uh, For a second, company. I thought I was misgoogling it, and I was like, oh, Hot Ones. He eats very spicy humans on this podcast. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Giancarlo Esposito has talked to James Gunn about possibly being in a movie. This is something that he revealed at a recent comic convention at a solo panel. If Giancarlo Esposito was in the DCU, what would you want to see him as? What part should he play? Um, you know what? He'd be a, a great um, – uh, what's his name? Bones? The oh, uh, yeah. smoking Director skeleton Bones. face. Mm-hmm. Director Bones. Like that, that could see, you wouldn't see much of his face, but he has that energy, I think. Do you think, though, Giancarlo Esposito as some sort of businessman running things with dubious morals? I don't know. I I don't think he could do that. Uh, Are you talking about the um, Gus Fring uh, universe? I'm talking about literally every part he ever gets cast in ever. Uh, When I I worked on a a show called... um, uh, the boys, it was about, there was an after show for the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and we uh, would interview, this was in hard, co- we made it in very intense COVID. So it was the kind of show where people would go, it was all remote, but people would, we would send camera teams to people's homes. They would, the actor would leave. The cameras would be set up with everyone in hazmat suits. Then the actor would come back in and be like, what buttons do I press? And all this. And we had Giancarlo Esposito on for the boys. And he is so opposite of all that Gus Fring. He's like a – he lives in Arizona, I think. He's like this hippie, wound-up dude who's like, yeah, you know what? The banks are always moving money around. And I'm just like, whoa. So he's he's a wild dude, not yeah. anything like the, these characters. But I would love to see him in the DCU. He's great in everything. So as they continue to build up a really solid roster of actors, we've talked a bit about the Superman legacy cast. He would be a great addition, whatever they want him to get, whatever they get him to do. Moving on to something else, I'm going to have a bunch of caveats here, but folks, including Deadline, were writing up that The Flash debuted lower than Black Adam on Max. And the little asterisk here is this isn't Nielsen stats. Nielsen reports viewership stats based on number of hours that people stream something. They do that for Max. They do. They, I think they do it for everything now, or at least most of the major streamers. Uh, in the, they usually send out a top ten once a week, and they're about a month behind because they gather the stats, and that's when uh, folks put it out. The one that comes out much quicker, which is not very accurate, and this is the one that we're talking about here, is Samba <laughs> TV. Samba TV. Where someone guesses how much Well, (laughs) so this gets written up a lot, and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about this. Samba TV is a smart TV. There's about 3 million-ish of them in circulation in the United States. And they'll send out and be like, almost immediately after the first weekend, they'll say, hey, here's how many people watch this dot, dot, dot on Samba TV. So, Mm. for example, the Samba TV numbers here are 1.1 million viewers in live plus due day. So basically the first three days for The Flash versus 1.2 million for Black Adam. By comparison on Samba TV, the Suicide Squad, which was deep in COVID, released just to max, I believe, or simultaneously, but everybody was watching online. 2.8 million. Wonder Woman 1984 did 2.2 million. The Batman, meanwhile, which obviously was in theaters, when it went on max on Saba TVs, did 4.1 million, which really contradicts my 3 million-ish TVs because, I don't know how that happened. But regardless, (laughs) 
whatever the numbers are, the basic thing I think you got to take away from Samba TV is not the raw number, but the comparison. They're pretty good on that. So what this means is that The Flash, a way overhyped movie versus Black Adam, did not debut on Max at the same level as Black Adam. Uh, That's not great. Uh, Agreed. That's not great. Though I think people will give a shot on something The Rock is in. Mm-hmm. I think Ezra Miller, Miller, both as an actor that isn't as famous and also an actor that everybody uh, like rightly is dubious of because of all the criminal activity and, mm-hmm. and suspicion around them. Like that, I feel like is maybe more about this than a larger like qualitative analysis of Black Adam versus The Flash. Because, I mean, really, both of those movies aren't great. But if I had to... If you were forcing me to have a take, I would put The Flash above Black Adam uh, from a, really? a movie I All would right. watch again. Yeah, Black uh, Adam, I thought, was very messy. Yeah, they're both a big old mess. I do think there might be something to be said for length in terms of sampling. Like, Black Adam's about, what, an hour and a half long, something like that? Maybe I'm way off here, but it didn't feel like much of a movie. Versus The Flash, which I do think is like the two and a half hour length. Nobody quote yeah. me on this. Nobody checked my figures. But I think if you're going to like settle down and watch a movie at night, being like, sure, I'll, I'll check out this Black Adam movie. It's The Rock. It's an hour and a half long. Let's go. Versus The Flash, you're settling in for a big chunk of time. Yeah. Plus, you know, you expect the Flash to be faster because that's his whole thing. Yeah, but that's not how it turns out. Last, faster. He actually gets much faster if you fast forward through the movie. Mm-hmm. Last, this is not much <laughs> of a story, but I'll mention the Dark Knight trilogy is headed back to some theaters, not all theaters, for Batman Day. Batman Day is the day we all celebrate. It comes later on in September. It is a celebration of the first publication of Batman in Detective Comics, I believe. And... Mm-hmm. DC has made it into kind of like a mini faux holiday, but there's a lot of fun stuff that's going to be happening. I think there's going to be a concert version of Batman or Batman Returns that's going around. There'll be a bunch of comics putting put out in stores or be released in stores. And as mentioned, Dark Knight Trilogy heading back to theaters. If Is this something you would want to see back to back all three movies in a row? No. That's that's an endurance test that is, is plus like I have so much going on for Batman Day that mm-hmm. I don't know if I can make it to the theater for like nine. You're hours going or to whatever. an alley and killing somebody's parents, right? That's what you well, usually do. Well, we do, do the, the year. we do the uh, traditional pearl dropping. Mm-hmm. I would just sit there and right. slowly watch the pearls drop over and over and over again ad right. nauseum. We uh, take our butler out for the day, <laughs> like we buttle him. You know, um, sort of a- I usually save that for Butler Day, personally. Usually on Batman Day, I have uh, my butler bring me some tiny little tea sandwiches and some bouillabaisse, and I'm like, I'm too hot. I'm too busy. Bouillabaisse? That's very <laughs> complicated dish. Bouillabaisse, if you're ordering a soup from a butler, <laughs> I would lower the bar a little bit. Sort of a bouillabaisse. That's multiple trips to the fish market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I also I set all my clocks to whatever that time is on Batman's clock, and uh, another thing I'll think of later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get out the giant penny, and we all sing a little song underneath it. Mm-hmm. That does seem fun to me, though. I really like those movies as yeah. as long as there's a little break, so you could use the bathroom between it. I think that would be good. But no, no, Alex, no, <laughs> no breaks. breaks. <laughs> Sorry, that's not the way Christopher Nolan wants them. Yeah, <laughs> no it's not, a, it's not a Christopher Nolan movie unless you peed yourself by the end. Hundred percent. That's you have to really by the third one. That's when the DMZ really hits. Yeah. Is when it's uh, just 
excrement running down the <laughs> hashtag Pienheimer. That's how I roll. <laughs> Anyway, that's a weird note to end up on. But if you've got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Hit us up socially, wherever as well. Uh, you can check us out at patreon.com slash comicbookclub to support the show and all the shows we do. You can also check us out live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Love to chat with you about the DCU. You can subscribe and follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or the app of your choice. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Dad, uh, finish these strikes. We got we got a news podcast. Yeah, let's go, Dad. Get this done. And I'm sorry, I have to duck out uh, before the end of the third movie because I'm adopting an acrobatic boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of Batman Day. You uh, did it. You did it. 